This is the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hello again, everybody. This is Doug Stannard with Fearless Presentations, with the Fearless Presentations podcast, and we're sponsored by fearlesspresentations.com. Hey, if you're listening to the podcast sometime around the time that we're, we've actually recorded it, um, you, there, we're basically in the last few weeks of uh, 2017, and uh, so in the in the December months, you know, we've only got a couple more classes. So if you happen to be in Atlanta or Detroit, those are the last two classes that we have coming up this year for Fearless Presentations. However, in the new year, we've got a ton of classes coming up. So we've got Dallas and Washington, D.C. and Boston and Los Angeles and Kansas City, all those that are in, just in January. So if you're in one of the major cities and you want to attend one of our two-day public speaking classes, make sure and go to fearlesspresentations.com and you can, you can access information about what the class is, how it works, how do you register for it. All of that kind of stuff is on fearlesspresentations.com. Uh, so let's jump into this this week's podcast. Um, a couple of months ago, this 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 podcast is going to be a little different than some of the other kind of podcasts that we've that I've done in the past. Uh, it, it's a little bit more personal, and in fact, we're good, this whole podcast is going to be around about how to um, write a eulogy, and so we'll spend a little bit of time about, uh, doing that. And I'll kind of tell you why that that became important for me. Um, a couple of months ago, my father passed away. So, you know, and even though I'm kind of the, I'm the middle child, you know, I have an older sister and a younger brother. Uh, I'm the only sibling who is a professional speaker. So my brother and sister kind of turned to me to, to deliver the eulogy. And, you know, being a professional speaker, you'd think that would be a pretty easy thing to do. But I have, I was actually surprised at how challenging that it that it actually was and so I figured if I, if I'm a professional speaker and I'm having challenges with this then this is probably something that a lot of other people are going to are going to have a challenge with as well so so this podcast is really designed to, to kind of help you do that now we also have a new tech find this week which is really kind of cool I actually found this tech find find out by accident um, it's one of those things that I was actually looking for something else and I found this and I was like, holy cow, that's actually kind of cool. So hopefully you'll get a big kick out of it. So let's, let's go ahead and jump into this week's Tech Vine. So the tech find this week is uh, it's a it's a it's actually a website it's presentationmagazine.com and you can find a link to it on the on the podcast notes fearlesspresentations.com if you just type in podcast the latest podcast will will come up this is actually podcast number 22 so you can do a search if if you're listening to this sometime at a later date just search for podcast number 22 You'll find a link to Presentation Magazine, and I tell you how I found this. This is it was actually an accident. I, I was actually looking for Presentations Magazine. This is it's a magazine that's been around for for a long time, and it was uh, Presentations Magazine was one of those magazines. It was a trade publication that was really well known and really well respected. And uh, and you know what's funny is that um, the the first time I came across Presentations Magazine was when I was writing the Fearless Presentations book and and looking for for content and looking making sure that what I was 
kind of teaching in the book or what I was using was was you know was um, kind of in line with what other professional speakers were were kind of teaching as well so I kind of used it as a as a resource but even me being a professional speaker I didn't really buy a subscription to Presentations Magazine. I guess nobody else did either because apparently they're out of business now. Go figure that a that a trade publication that's designed specifically for professional speakers would go out of business, you know. So so uh, anyway, uh, I it, it, it you know what's kind of funny is that even when I was actually accessing the the uh, nice articles and stuff that were in that that magazine uh, I was thinking, how in the world do they stay in business? And I guess that was a pretty tough thing to do because when I when I searched for them through when I kind of Googled the name Presentations Magazine, though, uh, what came up was Presentation Magazine. So no S on it. It's a presentation singular, Presentation Magazine. No no um, uh, no dash or anything. But when you when when that website came up, what was interesting was that it it's basically chock full of things like PowerPoint slideshow templates and backgrounds for slideshows, you know, free backgrounds and stuff that you can insert into your your PowerPoint slideshows and stuff like that. There's also a ton of articles about public speaking and tips in public speaking. And and there's actually even a a few tips on how to write a eulogy, which is what we're going to cover on today's podcast. So lots of neat um, things that you can kind of cover or that you can kind of access through through that website. So like I said, it was one of those things that I kind of found by accident, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to spend a little bit of time kind of delving in a little bit more to it and see if I can find even more kind of nuggets that I can bring to you on a, on a later podcast. But I would encourage you to go to presentation magazine, kind of start looking around, see if there are things on there that will help you be a better speaker as well. So Doug, what's today's hot topic? So let's jump into today's podcast. Um, This podcast is really designed on how to deliver, how to create and deliver uh, a eulogy. Um, and I, and like I, I kind of mentioned this in the intro that, you know, my dad passed away recently and, and, um, the, the whole deal with designing a, a eulogy for him was actually a lot tougher than what I, what you might think. And I, I kind of tell you the story about, about, um, what happened, but my dad was a, he was just a huge inspiration to me. Um, and when, when I started my company, I kind of used dad as a, as a role model. Dad was an entrepreneur when I was growing up and he actually ended up selling his company when I was a teenager and uh, making some pretty good money on it. So, so it was one of those things that I kind of saw at a, at an early age as as something that I wanted to do at some time in my life was to be my own boss and do like Dad was. Dad had some freedom and that kind of thing. So, when I started my own company, um, he, you know, I basically he I got a lot of advice from him. He he gave me a lot of of. Um, kind of nuts and bolts on how to start my company and, and how to keep it organized and that kind of thing. So, so he, he was a, a really good influence for me, not only on my career, but on my, on my personal life as, as well. Um, when, when, uh, what happened though was, uh, I would say about a decade or so ago, it's been quite a while now he was diagnosed with, with cancer and, and he had a pretty serious uh, form of cancer that, that um, was going to be really tough to beat, and he spent a couple of years going through chemotherapy and all the all the the um, the treatments and everything. And eventually, he got to the point where he was in remission, and we you know we were all praying for him and you know thanking God that that uh, that he was going to be okay. And and he he was pretty 
fine for, for quite a while. A couple of years after that, though, maybe three or so years later, uh, the cancer came back. You know, and they, they always say that, that, you know, you never get cured of cancer. You just kind of go in remission. And there are, there's a high chance that if you have cancer once, that it will likely come, come back. So, so this time, since this was now the second time that he was dealing with cancer, his oncologist sent him down to the MD Anderson Center down in Houston, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal cancer center. And, um, and he actually ended up spending about a, a year down there. I, I kind of drove him down and got him, um, and got him kind of organized. We got him a, a, an apartment there and he and mom and, and actually my mom's sister, my aunt May, uh, ended up spending a, a, almost the better part of a year, about nine months or so down in, at, at MD Anderson in Houston. And after the, at the end of the nine months, you know, even though he was still really weak, you know, the, the oncologist there was saying that he's, he was back in remission again. So, you know, so basically he had a second lease on life now. So it was a, it was a really encouraging kind of thing. Um, eventually we ended up moving, uh, my mom and dad here close to, to where my wife and I live in, in the Dallas Fort Worth area. We moved them about three or four miles away from us so that we were a little closer, you know, cause dad was still, even though he was in remission, he was still fairly weak and it was going to take some time for him to, to get back on his feet. Well, three years later, he was still really weak and he wasn't really, um, wasn't really getting better. And so we were worried. We had him going to all kinds of different specialists. And every time we'd go to a new specialist or a new oncologist, they'd always, they would run the same test and they would say, well, you know, he should be getting better. You know, something's not right. We just don't know what it is. And uh, we finally, in the, in the last few weeks of dad's life, we, we ended up uh, finding a, a new oncologist. And it turns out that that treatment that that had saved his life down at MD Anderson has act, had actually caused a chain reaction that ended up deteriorating his bone marrow to where his his um, his body couldn't make new bone marrow. So basically, what was happening was that he he could if if he went in and got a blood transfusion and he stayed on dialysis, which he had been on for about a year or so at, at that point, you know, he could live a pretty you know quote unquote normal life for maybe a few months, you know, at, at most six months, more, more likely, you know, two or three. And what the oncologist was saying was that eventually we'd get to the point where the transfusions just weren't going to be working anymore. So the, 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 even though he might survive for another three months, those last, that last month, the last month and a half, however long it was, you know, would probably be, you know, not very dignified. Yeah. So, so, you know, dad, since he was thinking very clearly, he had a decision to make. He was he was trying to de- decide, you know, whether you know he didn't want to leave mom. You know, that was the the thing. He didn't want to leave mom by herself, and so it, it caused him a lot of of um, kind of strife. And and we all kind of sat down with him. We were all there. My 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 brother and my sister were there. My mom was there. My aunt was there. My wife and and the kids. We were we've all we all kind of sat down with him, and and um, he came to the conclusion that. You know, he didn't really want to live if he was going to deteriorate that fast, and he knew he knew it was likely. You know, based on what he was experiencing, that he was likely going to deteriorate pretty pretty quickly at that point. So um, he had a choice: he could either continue to go to dialysis and get the blood transfusions for another few weeks, or maybe a month. But eventually, he knew he was going to have to stop. So he just figured, I don't like doing dialysis anyway. You know, who's going to? He was. I mean, that was that. The dialysis going three times a week and spending, you know, I, I really, in all fairness, maybe six hours or so um, hooked up to a machine in a very uncomfortable position wasn't much fun either. So he, he just decided that, hey, if I know I'm, I'm going out, I'm going to kind of live it up for, for as long as I have. And 
um, since we were all there anyway, since the family was all, all already kind of here and, and uh, spending time with him, um, we just decided that in that last um, the last week and a half or two weeks, we were, we were going to kind of live it up. And so we just asked him, what, what, let's put a bucket list. What are all the different things that you've always wanted to do that you never actually got a chance to do? And I was telling him, hey, you know, most people don't get a chance to do this. Most people don't know when they're going to die. So it was actually, even though it was a, a really sad and emotional time, it was it was actually really happy and up, uplifting for us as well. So the ine- inevitable did come, though. Dad, Dad did pass away, and 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 the last two days were really tough. You know, those last two days were were ones where he wasn't really conscious, and and um, and it, you know, it, we could tell that Dad wasn't really there, even though his, his body was still alive. So. Um, so at that point, you know, we had to start making quite a few decisions. Um, my mom and dad are from, from Little Rock, Arkansas. I was actually born there as well, but I've been in Texas most of my life. And, and so since dad passed here in in Texas, um, you know, all all the family is there in Arkansas. So we had, we already had some, some challenges as, you know, to, you know, where we're going to have the funeral. I mean, our, our pastor is here, but you know, the, in addition to that, he's got a, he's got a pastor back in, in Little Rock that, that um you know in a, in a church home back there as well so we were doing a lot of organizing in you know in a very short period of time maybe all total maybe four or five days or so to get everything organized and and during the discussion the inevitable question came up where where everybody kind of looked at me and they said oh and i'm assuming you're going to do the eulogy you know and at that point it kind of hit me that Oh, I haven't even thought of it, you know, and, and I got, you know, I got to tell you, I, I, since I speak a lot, you know, I'll speak professionally sometimes as many as, as three, four, five times a week. So speaking in front of a group is not really a big deal for me. I I don't care who the group is. I'm, I can kind of do this stuff in my sleep. But from the time that my sister, my older sister, kind of turned to me and said, uh, you're going to do the eulogy, right? All of a sudden, um, this, this not kind of, kind of um, grew in my stomach <laughs> and, and I was feeling really uncomfortable all of a sudden. And I was thinking, why, why on earth was I, was I uncomfortable? And I, and the nearest thing I can think of is that most likely what I was experiencing was that, Hey, if I screw this up, I'm going to be dishonoring dad, you know? And, and I'm sure that probably goes through a lot of people's minds is that, is that, that we're putting a whole lot of pressure on us, on our, on ourselves to make sure that we, we we have to say the right thing or say the perfect thing, and and in reality, that sometimes that's that's really not not the most important part. Um, the one thing about funerals and eulogies that we always have to keep in mind, and this was the thing that that really helped me out a lot, was that a funeral or a eulogy is for us. It's for the survivors. It's not for the person that's deceased, right? So. Once I kind of kind of figured that out, I was I was thinking, okay, so how can I use this as an opportunity to help my mom deal with this sorrow, to help my sister deal with this sorrow, to help our other relatives deal with this sorrow? And once I kind of kind of got the focus off of myself and about what I wanted to say and focus more about helping the the other people that were that were there, my whole outlook kind of changed, and the the that that knot in the pit of my stomach just kind of dissipated pretty pretty quickly. So, so I know what what uh, when a lot of folks are kind of reading the title, they're like, okay, I just want the step by step process. How do you how do you actually do this? And and I I promise you, I'm going to get there. I'm going to give you the real step by step process that I went through. But I'll kind of tell you the the how I organize my thoughts because again, this is something I've never done before. I've never actually given a eulogy. This is not one of those things 
that I had actually ever ever prepared for. And so, um, so when I started thinking about how exactly should I do this, my training kind of kicked in. And for those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while, you notice that I kind of refer back to podcast three a lot. I mean, I'll refer back to that particular podcast a lot. And the reason why is because it's really how to design your speeches from scratch, how to design those presentations uh, very quickly. And it can fit in a lot of different types or different styles of of presentations. And so I'm going to refer back to that, but I'm going to show you some different alterations that you can make, especially if you're doing a, a eulogy. So when when I started thinking about how to organize the the, the eulogy or, or what I wanted to say, and, and when the focus was on helping the audience kind of move through that grief, I started thinking about what was the what would be the best way to, to do that. And the first thing I started doing was I just started organizing thoughts about the way that dad had influenced me in a very positive way. So I started thinking about those instances, those those situations where dad gave me advice or dad was there when I was having trouble or when I was nervous or when I was uh, having a challenge and what he did to kind of help me get through that. What was the inspiration that that he provided me? And and so I basically just kind of asked myself a question, you know, when I think about all of the different times in my life when dad was was my rock, you know, which ones are the ones that come to mind most quickly? And the very first one that popped in my head, you know, very quickly was when I was like, I think I was like six years old and I and I um, stole some money. I stole some quarters from his from from dad's uh, nightstand. And of course, he caught me. So it's um, it's it's actually a fairly humorous story. I've, I've probably told it on on one of the podcasts in the past, but but basically, it was one of those life lessons. It was one of those things that kind of really stuck with me, and it taught me a lot about character. and And it was one of those times that Dad was a real leader for me personally. And so that was kind of the first one that that popped into my head. Uh, the second one was was when I was getting married, you know, on on my wedding day. And you know, wedding, you know, my wedding day was was pretty much absolutely perfect. It was one of those things that everything just kind of clicked. But the the closer that it got to that time period, the more nervous I got, you know, and dad could tell I was anxious, I was nervous, you know. And so he kind of he had the ability to kind of see what people's emotions were and help them move through those emotions in, in a very effective way. And so he knew exactly what to say to kind of get me to realize that, hey, you know, this was this was a uh, was an important day, but it's also, you know, one of the best decisions that I ever made. And, and it, that has been a fantastic decision uh, that from from from, you know, my entire life. So uh, so basically he was there. He was my rock in, in that situation. And the third situation that kind of popped into my head, the third instance that popped in my head was when was when I actually drove him down to MD Anderson and when it was just he and I when mom and and Aunt May were were at a different part of the hospital uh, he he kind of turned to me and he said he said Doug I don't I don't know if I want to do this again you know he'd already been through all the chemo he'd already been through all the 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 treatments and he knew what what kind of challenges were were in front of him and um and and I actually used some humor uh, when I actually delivered that story in in the eulogy I actually used some humor because it, in all the times that dad had given me fantastic things to say you know the, these great words of wisdom um the the um, thing that popped in my head at that moment was was um 
well, dad, you know, sometimes a man's got to do what a man's got to do, right? So it's like the only thing I could think of at the time was a stupid John Wayne quote, you know, which it made him laugh, you know, so it was, it kind of reduced the tension a little bit and, and, um, and he, and kind of turned things around. So even though my words of wisdom weren't nearly as important as, as effective as his, it kind of still worked. So, but once I had those, those, Three instances, you know, and and by the way, there was there was a flood of other stories that kind of popped in my head, but those were the three that kind of really stuck out. Those were those those three kind of pivot points that that I really recalled, and and so all I did was when I created the eulogy for Dad is I kind of thought about those three instances and said, okay, what were the life lessons that I learned from from those experiences? What were the things that that happened to me as a result of those those instances that caused me to be a better person that caused me to see things differently that caused me to um you know be a better leader in my in my own family in my own life and and I just kind of relayed the story that way and and it it was actually really really easy so I told you I was going to give you some 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 step by step tips so here's the these are the four step by step tips that you can use to to uh, design and deliver a really good eulogy. So the first thing that you want to do, step one, is you want to think about all of those instances in your life where this loved one influenced you in a very positive way. And and the key thing here is to just brainstorm. Just kind of take a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen and just kind of jot down everything that pops into your head. What's most interesting is that typically the first few things that pop into your head are, are the things that are most notable for a reason. So once you have, you know, four, five, six, seven, 10, 15, 20, 30 of these things, however many you, you want to kind of start with, go back and pick out the top, you know, three, maybe the two, three, four at the most, you know, but those, those top, the, the ones that really stand out as the things that were kind of monumental in your life, the things that, the things that were very, you know, maybe it was a situation where, where, this person inspired you or, or caused you to change your way of thinking or something like that. And then once you've identified those specific instances, think about the life lesson. Step three is to think about the life lesson that each one of those instances taught you. And then finally, you just put those those three or four instances together in a story format chronologically and just kind of relay that to to the um, uh, to to the audience, basically to the folks that are at the funeral. And it should be fairly easy. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where all you really sh- will need to, to do is to kind of remember your instances, to remember your stories and just kind of tell one after the other after the other. And most often what you're going to find is that. Once you get started, it'll actually come really easy for you. It's the first, the first couple of seconds are going to be where it's going to be really, really nerve wracking for you. But after you get into that first story, especially if, you know, some of that natural kind of self-deprecating humor tends to come out, which it does a lot when you're talking about your, your childhood stories and that kind of thing, that can make it a little bit easier. Now, keep in mind, this is not going to be an easy speech. Out of all the speeches that you'll give, this is one that's going to be more challenging than than most and just because there's so much pressure on us when we when we do this. But keep in mind that the person who we're honoring is going to be honored just because you're speaking about him or her. You know, so so it's not you don't have to say the perfect thing. You don't have to say the right thing. And most of the time, even if even if, you know, God forbid something happens and we totally screw this up and we we lose our emotion and and that kind of thing, people are understandable. So so don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. It will be challenging. It will be hard. It will be one of the harder speeches that you give. But it's one of those things where even though you're going to be you're going to feel nervous, you probably 
probably just want to kind of feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, that's that's one of the key things to to keep in mind. Going to be challenging. You'll get through it, and um, and hopefully you'll have a, a positive experience to rely on that will help you help other people kind of move through their grief at that at that tough time. So hopefully this has been very helpful for you. If you have things that you want me to cover on a podcast, you have questions about about uh, public speaking or, you know, maybe being a professional speaker or how to design presentations or, you know, what happens when certain things occur, you know, answering questions, that kind of thing. Any of those kind of questions that you have, just shoot me an email podcast at fearlesspresentations.com and um, and I'll, I'll try to include those on one of our future sessions. So thanks a lot for listening. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.